0: Good morning! Welcome to Mayflower, where we believe that faith is a journey, God is good, Jesus saves, and the Spirit leads us toward faith, hope, and love, as we honor the dignity of all humanity. Woo! What a year it's been, right? Last week we celebrated the service of Reverend Dr. Jonathan White. as his last Sunday as our interim senior pastor. We also honored our high school seniors and bless them as they make their transition to college, and we held our annual meeting. Woo! It was wonderful, and we know that God is with us as we transition to summer. Speaking of summer, here we are in the launch of our Voices and Vision Summer Speaker Series. I am Reverend Ruth Bell Olson, and I'm honored to not only be your pastor, but be be the first speaker in this series. This morning, I have the privilege of leading worship with Reverend Eric Richer. Hi, Eric. Eric is a much-beloved former pastor here, and he just can't seem to escape our grasp, so we have pulled him in this morning. Scott Bosher, our choir director and cantor, is with us this morning, as well as Carol McNally, who is our guest organist. Although Carol isn't exactly a guest, she's here often when Julia is out of town, so we welcome her back. Thank you, Carol. Thanks to Pat McGuire, who's hiding over there, who makes our worship services available online. So we welcome all, those of you here in the sanctuary and those of you watching wherever you are. We are thrilled to be worshiping together this morning the God of peace, hope, and love. So we have an outreach opportunity to share this morning. Our friends at New City Kids need help to spruce up the outside of their building in preparation for their big summer jam concert. So we're planning to meet from 6 to 8 on June 22nd. We'll be spreading mulch, planting flowers, I'm at Rachel Cooley, power washing and cleaning up outdoors, and then we're all welcome to come back on Thursday the 24th for their concert, food trucks, and all kinds of fun. So if you would like to participate or if you have any questions, see Rachel Cooley or Allison Houlihan or contact the office. So perhaps you noticed that last Wednesday was our first water slide Wednesday. If you drove by, you saw our church lawn was festooned with an enormous blow-up water slide, and you cannot believe how many children gathered on our front lawn. So may our summer be full of ways in which we joyfully slide into community, learning, growing, and continuing to become the church That we were destined to be in the world. So now let us worship the God of glorious days.
1: On this elegant and grace-filled Sunday morning, we look to the psalmist for apt words of invitation to center our hearts and our minds on worship together. So listen as the writer of Psalm 92 invites us. It is good to praise you, Lord, and to make music to your name, O Most High. To proclaim your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. To the music of the ten-stringed lyre and the melody of the harp. For you make me glad by your deeds, O Lord. I will sing for joy at the works of your hands. How great are your works, O Lord. How profound your thoughts. You, O Lord, are exalted forever. Let us come to worship the Lord in response to that invitation. shall we pray. God of grace, here we are this morning waiting to hear you speak to us through scripture and song and word. Sometimes we feel lost in the world around us. We sense our need today. You have given us minds to know you hearts to love you, and voices to sing your praise. So fill us with your Spirit that we may follow the path on which you lead us. As we celebrate your glory and worship you in spirit and in truth, open our hearts to listen, to perceive your direction, and to commit ourselves to following you without reservation. In the name of Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior, we pray.
2: Amen.
3: Scripture reading for this morning is from 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 verses 6 through 17 and this is where Paul says to his followers so we are always confident even though we know that while we are at home in the body we are away from the Lord for we walk by faith not by sight yes we do have confidence And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For all of us must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each may receive recompense for what has been done in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we try to persuade others. But we ourselves are well-known to God, and I hope that we are also well-known to your consciences. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you an opportunity to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast in outward appearance and not in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ urges us on, because we are convinced that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died, and he died for all, so that those who might live no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and was raised for them. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. The word of the Lord.
0: You may be seated. Let us pray. Holy One, thank you for this day. Thank you for voices and vision to help us experience you more broadly and more beautifully than ever before. We pray this morning for understanding of the scripture, for hope for the future, and for love for each other. Amen. What do you keep in the glove box of your car? Do you have any paper maps? Remember those? Remember the intelligence jokes as to whether or not you could fold them back into their proper shape? What about Rand McNally atlases? Do you remember those? Those big paperback books full of maps of all 50 states? We owned several of them over the years and we would lugged those out for road trips. My husband loves a good paper map. He has a smartphone that can lead him anywhere quite accurately, but there's something about visualizing a trip or destination on a map larger than your phone screen. He has an excellent sense of direction and an uncanny ability to remember cities and details of destinations he's visited maybe only once. Maybe you are like this too. Isn't it interesting how some of us have a really good sense of direction, a better sense of place maybe than others? Some of us have an uncanny ability to remember milestones, street names, landmarks, elements of nature. Well, a few Christmases ago, when we had one of our Adopt a Family Christmas drives, two young people from the church offered to make a gift delivery. So I printed out the address, and when they came into my office, I proceeded to explain to them how to get to the destination. I mentioned the golf course they would pass, that there was a funny little building by a creek where they needed to turn right. They just looked at me with what I would call a bemused expression. They were not listening to a word I was saying. I stopped my detailed description, and they nodded. They were simply going to plug in the address into their phone. (laughs) They were not concerned about what direction they were heading or what what they might see along the way. The milestones and landmarks held no interest to them. Which begs the question, have we changed how we find our way? Technology, obviously, is a huge factor. But in a broader sense, have we changed how we navigate the world around us? Physically? Mentally? Emotionally, spiritually. How do we find our way? What is wayfinding? The term wayfinding comes from American psychologist James Gibson, who used it to describe spatial navigation. But his definition has been expanded by others. Journalist M.R. O'Connor wrote a beautiful book titled Wayfinding The Science and Mystery of how humans navigate the world. And in it, she writes, wayfinding is an activity that confronts us with the marvelous fact of being in the world, requiring us to look up and take notice, to cognitively and emotionally interact with our surroundings, whether we are in the wilderness or in a city, even calling us, to renew our species' love affair with freedom, exploration, and place. Hmm. Well, according to the Society for Experiential Graphic Design, S-E-G-D, wayfinding refers to information systems that guide people through a physical environment and enhance their understanding and experience of space. It's particularly important in complex built environments like centers, healthcare, campuses, transportation facilities. As architectural environments become more complicated, people need visual cues such as maps, directions, and symbols to help guide them to their destination. In these high stress environments, effective wayfinding systems contribute to a sense of well being, safety, and security. So, wayfinding can mean cognitively and emotionally interacting with our surroundings or it's a development of signage and symbols and directions for the complex buildings and places we traverse. These two descriptions highlight two techniques for wayfinding. There's egocentric and spatial. So egocentric wayfinding starts with where you are now and where you're going next. Spatial wayfinding is more like a bird's-eye view, taking in all the surroundings and how the features in the landscape relate to each other. Sometimes we need egocentric wayfinding, right? We use signs around the church, how to find the nursery, how to find the elevator. We're moving our bodies in a world, and we need to know whether to turn right or left so we don't stumble or get lost. But what about spatial wayfinding? What about pulling the camera back and taking in the larger story of our natural surroundings? In O'Connor's words, the use and organization of sensory information from the environment to guide us. In the deepest sense, wayfinding is a concept that offers a new way of thinking about our connection to the world. So take, for example, the Inuit people's of the Arctic Circle. Anthropologist Claudio Aporta studied the wayfinding ways of an Inuit tribe, and he reported, the Inuit are able to orient across large masses of tundra, sea ice, and open sea through apparently indistinguishable and seemingly monotonous landscapes and quickly changing seascapes without the use of maps, or orienting devices known to the European navigation. He writes, I was traveling with a hunter while he searched and found seven fox traps hidden under a thick layer of snow that his uncle had set across 20 square kilometers of what seemed to me a flat and indistinctive territory. Now, the traps had been set Twenty-five years before, and the hunter had not seen them since. Yet he was able to find each of them in about two hours of searching. Questions arise. How is it that precise locations can be identified, remembered, and communicated without the use of maps? How does a hunter manage to find and keep his bearings in such an environment as the Arctic? Intimate knowledge of the land, the shores, and the sea is not enough to make someone a confident wayfinder. Someone who feels at ease while undertaking long journeys, hunting, and talking about such large territory must have to answer such questions as, where am I? How do I get there? And what about the Aborigines of Australia who are expert wayfinders? They take their children out on dreaming tracks, singing the song cycles of their landscape that are based on the location of specific rocks, trees, and the stars. This is also called totemic geography, which gives a deeper significance to ordinary geography and makes it more memorable. They have even created uh, paintings of the dreaming that are on par with Western maps. In the United States, this is similar to Western Apache culture in which people pass on stories that describe journeys and they give the names of the landmarks along the way. A researcher heard an Apache cowboy reciting a list of place names to himself for nearly 10 minutes straight. He said he talked names all the time and that it allows him to ride away in his mind or take the wayfinding traditions of the Marshall Island natives of what is called now Micronesia. Their indigenous navigational techniques remotely sense land by detecting how islands disrupt swells. They train their children using sticks to show the direction of the prevailing ocean current. Then they have them lie in the bottom of a canoe offshore to sense where the waves are coming from and to identify where land might be located based on various patterns in the wave signal. Wow. In our world of GPS and technological advances, do we sense the nuances of our surroundings like the Inuit, Aborigine, the Apache, and the Marshall Islanders? Are we able to answer, answer such questions as, where am I? How do I get there? O'Connor writes, at the heart of successful human navigation is the capacity to record the past, to attend to the present, and to imagine a future, a goal or place that we would like to reach. Might this have something to do with walking by faith and not by sight? Is the Apostle Paul telling us something about wayfinding? Is he writing a letter about recording the past, attending to the present, and imagining a future? Murray read this morning scripture from the, from the book of Second Corinthians. And to begin to understand this letter, we need to have a sense of who was writing it to who and Why? Letters were the way that Paul would encourage the churches across the region, and of course, it took a long time for those letters to get to their destination. The church in Corinth was struggling. They were planted right in the middle of a city known for its immorality. Corinth has been described by historians as intellectually alert, materially prosperous, and morally corrupt. The church was being called out by the Apostle Paul to be light in this darkness, to radiate the way of Christ. And the correspondence of letters First and Second Corinthians is not in sequence. There was likely at least one other letter exchanged in between. And unfortunately, we don't have that letter. We don't have the letters uh, written back to Paul. So we need to kind of fill in some gaps. But what we do know is that in the letter exchange, And in the time in between, Paul has been misunderstood and misconstrued. Some in the city of Corinth were calling themselves super apostles, and they were challenging Paul's authority. Bad theology ensued, and Paul is desperate for the fruit of his endeavors to be the testimony, true Christian identity demonstrated by lives dedicated to the way of Jesus. So, 2 Corinthians is Paul's attempt to set the record straight, as well as to strengthen and encourage those who had been faithful. So he writes, We are always confident, even, the, even though we know that we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we do have confidence, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So, whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. Is Paul pleading? for the church to engage in spatial wayfinding. Is part of this letter calling out the church's egocentric methods? Is he trying to correct them by reminding them of the greater and grander realm that is our real home? We are all called to be wayfinders in this space. Like the Inuit hunters, we are to plant seeds of faith in Christ In our families our churches our communities and they might seem hidden under feet of snow but for us to trust that they're still there or like the Aboriginal wayfinders who map the specific rocks trees and stars we are to map the landscape of our faith and name the spiritual practices that help us flourish and keep on track spiritually Like the Apache, we are challenged to tell the stories that describe the faith journey. Like Paul wrote in verse 14, For the love of Christ urges us on, because we are convinced that one has died for all. Like the Marshall Islanders, are we listening for the wave signals of swells to help us locate the dry land of faith in an unending, never-changing God of love? At the heart of successful human navigation is the capacity to record the past, attend to the present, and imagine a future, a goal or place that we would like to reach. In Paul's letter to the Corinthian church, he's reminding them of the past, that Christ died for all. He's attending to the present, so live lives that reflect the magnitude of Christ's resurrection. And Paul is pointing toward the future. He writes in his first letter to the Corinthians, that we see all of this in a mirror dimly, or another translation, through a glass darkly. But someday we will see God face to face. But for now, we know only in part. Oh, we have hope for this future, don't we? As spatial wayfinders, we get to seek the God's eye view. We get to watch for clues and details of the world around us for where and how God is evident. And little by little, we can answer such questions as, where am I? How do I get there? Let us have great anticipation for the voices and vision we will be experiencing this summer at Mayflower. How might these Sundays help us in our spatial wayfinding? Paul writes that if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation, a goal or place that we would like to reach. As pilgrims and wayfinders, We have Christ as our guide. We have the opportunity to embrace new creation, new birth, a bright future. But may we as spatial wayfinders not miss the intimate knowledge of the landscape and environment of faith that God has planted all around us. May we walk in this and be astounded. In the name of the creator, the Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
1: Part of the wonder of worship is the joy of giving, and it's our opportunity now to share what we have, and God has blessed us so wonderfully, and so I invite you now, as the ushers wait upon us for the offering, to give as unto the Lord. bring our gifts dear Lord as an offering of love and we ask you to bless them prosper them use them wherever the need is greatest and let our congregation be the congregation that serves you and our community bless us we pray in the name of Christ Jesus Amen. You may be seated. We have some moments afforded to us for prayer just now. I don't have a microphone. Let us pray then, together. Father of compassion and God of all comfort, as a congregational family, we worship who you are, the all-powerful, the ever-present, the faithful God. We are needy people this morning, Lord. Give us wisdom to see beyond our self-sufficiency to the soundness of your guidance in our lives. Lead us on the path of righteousness and blessedness for ourselves, for our church, and for our community. For your grace and mercy, we will be always grateful. We pray, Lord, for those who are on our hearts. We don't always know who they are, but they are important. A daughter-in-law flying away from New York to Columbia for the loss of grandmother and mother. Lord, bless her with unusual comfort and grace. And may she be in ministry to the members of her family there. We pray for Deb Larson and her family and the death of her sister. And pray, Lord, that you'll surround them with that wonderful comfort you can give. We are so grateful, Lord, that you care for us and you bless us. We pray for those who suffer with physical and mental illness, for those who are tied up in addictions. For the lonely and those who grieve. Lord, we pray for them. Especially we ask for your protection and provision for the homeless. We have not been there ourselves, Lord. And we hardly know the pressure, the suffering, the sense of hopelessness that can surround them. Oh, Lord. Lord. We pray for justice in our community and, and the desire to see it achieved by whatever we may do. Thank you for helping us reach out to the members of our community wherever and, and whenever we are able. Lead us on the path of giving and deliver us from the passion of getting. In these days of pandemic deprivation, Manifest your love and kindness for those who suffer loss, sickness, and uncertainty. Give us experience, knowledge, and good judgment in responding to the challenges and the changing atmosphere surrounding this pandemic. So gracious God, accept all these prayers. Offered in Jesus' name. And and give us now the strength to wait patiently for your answer. And to live faithfully in response to your call. Through Christ our Lord. Who taught his disciples and us to pray together.
3: Our Father
1: who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done
0: As a benediction today, as wayfinders in this world, may you walk by faith and not by sight. May you radiate the new creation that you are in Christ, and may this bless all those you encounter. Go in peace. Amen.